0: This is Ron Chapman, and we are starting off a nine-week audio series that will be happening every two weeks. This one is actually called Step Zero, Being Convinced This Crap Must Stop. This assumes that most folks have some orientation to the steps, but let me tell you just a little bit about me, Uh, for those of you who don't know me. I am a step geek. I have been for 28 years of recovery. Um, I've done them multiple times. I love what they have done in my life. And in just the past few years, it's become really apparent that there's an opportunity to talk about these in a way that could be of great benefit to other people. And so this is beginning to use that format to do it. We've never done it in this format, but we're going to see what we can do with it. I work with a principle known as seeing true. And in short, that is my explanation for how it is that people have transformations in their lives. There comes this moment of clarity we've often heard it referred to. Interestingly enough, the Greek word for this is metanoia, which was translated in the Christian framework as um, reawakening, essentially, um, being saved, many might say. But in fact, metanoia properly translated means that we have a profound change of heart, which is how it is that people can suddenly change course in a dramatic way and have a completely different experience, whether that is being struck sober, as the saying goes, or having some other character defect removed. And so the whole purpose of this is to help us have that experience of metanoia, a seeing true moment, an opportunity for things to just be completely made different and for us to be transformed. So, so what's this step zero deal? I, I first heard it a number of years ago uh, in, in a meeting room, and what the guy had to say about it was is you can't get to a step one without a step zero. And the step zero is essentially that place that we'll talk a little bit more about, about how we get crushed and realize that we absolutely positively need to do something differently. In order for that to happen, we've got to come to see that there's a problem. And as you all know, based on your experiences I'm sure, it's not always so easy to see that we have a problem. This seeing of a problem, you know, we talk a lot about denial, and I think about the 8 months I spent in the rooms of AA. Um <laughs> trying to understand that I had this problem. Uh, It was a long and arduous process, and I'll probably share a little bit about that. But, you know, I just simply could not get into my heart that I had this problem. So to have a problem but not understand you have a problem is, in fact, the crux we face. I hear all the times in all kinds of – many times in in recovery rooms, people talking how they always knew they had a problem. Well, my proposition would be that they may have seen some evidence, but it had not moved from head to heart. There wasn't the moment of clarity that could come along with it. We'll talk a little bit more about that clarity and what it can produce. But the first thing we've got to do is be honest. A friend of mine many years ago in a meeting room said, let me tell you the truth, Ron. I rarely see the light but I often feel the heat. And that's true for me and countless others I've talked to, that, that we just seem to need that discomfort that comes with the heat, with having our, having our butt kicked, with being tenderized for us to be willing to consider some things we could not previously consider. Now, unfortunately, we talk about that a lot in a pretty judgmental way. The truth of the matter is, if you really think about it, the plain old simple bottom line is that's the way our ego is constructed. It's given to all humans. The, the ego's purpose is to stabilize and maintain the status quo. It's, it, it, it's really probably designed to keep us from perishing, to keep us from dying from the challenges we face. Uh, if you were to see it all and the implications of what it is that you can't see, as I once heard it said, suicide might just make a whole lot of sense so we've got this ego that is resistant to change. Uh, it ensures our survival. The ego is not bad. It's an artifact of being human. Uh, it just means that the ego in most cases where we have denial or delusion is not serving us well. So what we're having to do is break through, to crack through this, this problem with the ego uh, that, that is inherent. The Big Book refers to this, for those of you who are familiar with the Big Book, the AA Big Book, uh, refers to this as the self that we're trying to figure out how to get past, and in order to do that, we've got to embrace the idea of this significant problem uh, and somehow or another bypass this ego that doesn't want to let us see it. Now, I heard a really, really great example of this in a meeting room many years ago. There was a guy we called Jim the Voice because he had this really, really deep, resonant voice, and he would tell I me mean, he'd been he'd been sober a long time, and Jim would say. I didn't get sober to quit smoking. This is about alcohol. And he would say that often until one day, Jim, the voice, came in, and he looked whipped, to be really honest. And he had a chance to share, and he said, I've been wrong. I've been arrogant. I've been full of myself. I've been saying I didn't come here to quit smoking, but the truth of the matter is I just got a diagnosis. they had going to have to remove one of my lungs. And I did come here to quit smoking because it's going to kill me. Now, that is the transformation, the ability to see that we've got this problem. I mean, he knew all along that he should quit smoking because it was bad for him. He knew he'd been smoking for a long time. He knew he had some implications. But until the real threat crossed head to heart, he just couldn't get there. And he did end up quitting. That was a remarkable thing for a guy who was just absolutely insistent. Somebody once told me in a meeting room, you know, if Bill Wilson hadn't, uh, hadn't been a smoker, uh, he would have probably lived another 20, 25, 30 years. And so it's another one of those addictions that some of us really struggle, struggle, struggle with. It's the beginning of that great turnaround story, right? I mean, it goes kind of like this. There isn't a problem. Everything's wonderful. And then, there's a chink in the armor of the ego as evidence mounts, and we begin to start thinking something's not quite right. And then, of course, there eventually becomes this moment of clarity, this head-to-heart moment, where we say, uh-oh, this deal looks really serious. There's some big problems. Now, I've had that experience several times in my life, uh, one with alcohol, one with quitting tobacco, which was the hardest thing I've ever done, harder than quitting drinking. I've had it with a couple of behavioral problems where you just finally realize that, man, this deal just is not working. And it moves from head to heart. And the most extraordinary thing when that happens is we then are able to get to a step one. Now, the crazy thing is, as some of you know, a step zero can take years. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's quick, but... Uh, And we don't really know what it takes to get done. We hear a lot of people, you know, uh, keep coming back. Don't stop before the miracle happens. Let us love you till you can love yourself. All that kind of stuff. It acknowledges that there is something about a breakthrough that can come at us. But honestly, we don't know how to produce it. We know there is one. We don't know how to get to this step zero. As one guy says, it takes what it takes. Now, that could sound really negative, um could sound downright hopeless if you think about it, particularly when you're facing something that you're having a terrible, terrible time with. <laughs> Isn't that a common story? I'm thinking back to the, some of the ones that I had, the one that I'm told makes people uncomfortable, but I need to tell the truth. It was a breakthrough moment for me, is that even in sobriety, working steps and doing all the things we're supposed to do, uh, I continued to emotionally abuse my daughters, and I couldn't stop. I knew better, I couldn't stop. I just't I just I just couldn't do it. Um, at some point in time, the pain threshold got great enough that it literally cascaded through the steps, and that got transformed. But it took a whole lot of suffering and way too long for it to move from head to heart, and that's oftentimes the story. Regardless of that, I talk a lot about what I call an educational variety bottom stolen a little bit of language from uh, the appendix in the big book about spiritual recovery, about the spiritual experience. Here's what I have learned and discovered. I think we can raise our bottoms by inquiry, by beginning to look, by beginning to delve. We can do it through journaling and inventory, classic inventory we might call it. We can do a lot of exploration with ourselves and others uh, there are always therapists, counselors, spiritual advisors. I remain convinced, based on my experience, that it is possible to avoid the heat and see the light long before the heat has to get turned up on us. But I'm also aware that that usually takes a pretty active body of effort. Um, I know folks who have bombarded it with effort trying to glean information. Uh, libraries have a lot of information, so do online sources. Uh, and I have seen with myself and with others that we can penetrate that ego and get this step zero done to get to step one by this process of inquiry. I've talked a lot about this with my sponsor. Uh, he has an interesting thing to say about it. He would say that he was on the spiritual quest for 15 to 20 years before he was struck sober, that in fact all the things that he did prior to his day of sobriety added up and had real benefit, and yet it took him 15 to 20 years. This included uh, time spent wanting to be a Baptist preacher. He was actually in Baptist preacher school. Uh, It includes hanging out with a lot of folks in West Texas, doing a lot of really interesting spiritual inquiry work, and still it took what it took for it to eventually penetrate and for him to get to a step zero, which then permitted a step one. I want to say something about a phrase we hear quite often, because I think it's really unfortunate how we experience and hear it. We often hear that pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Uh, I really think that that is a shame-producing proposition. Uh, None of us chooses to suffer. Saying that it's optional makes us think that we're somehow or another doing it deliberately. You know the line, you made your bed, now lie in it. Um, I think that's terribly um, judgmental and certainly lacks empathy. For most of us, pain is going to come in some form or another. And while I believe it is possible to avoid the suffering, I'm also aware that if we don't have access to the means to avoid the suffering, we're going to have to suffer. And that's really unfortunate. And I have great empathy for me and everybody else who has gone through that process. But it's important to talk about that because the larger culture and sometimes our recovering culture, sometimes what it does is it suggests that we're doing it to ourselves. You know, the line about uh, there are no no victims, only volunteers. Uh, On some psychological, spiritual level, perhaps that's true. But I don't know anybody who woke up this morning and said, I think I'm going to see about getting in maximum suffering today. I think all of us are trying very, very hard to escape everything that we can, and we can't get to a step zero. We can't get done with something. We just aren't able to integrate it. Oftentimes, people talk uh, in recovery and in, in alcoholism recovery and, and drug addiction as well. They talk about how you know they, there comes that moment where the information gets in and you finally begin to understand the nature of the problem. And I think this begins to segue into step one, which I'm not going to talk about here tonight. I'll do that in two weeks. But, but there is this moment where things begin to deepen and we begin to understand, uh, and it's that understanding that seems to open the way. One of, my, one of my favorite stories to describe how this seems to work, to be really honest, is the movie Groundhog Day, which I hope most of you have heard or seen. Uh, it's the movie with Bill Murray where he has to do a repeat day over and over and over and over again, uh, seemingly to learn the lesson. I think it's a great spiritual spiritual metaphor. That movie. The thing that's really interesting to me is that I've concluded that we're going to learn the lesson. Um, I could talk a lot at this point about why I believe that. It's probably not important. Eventually, what can help us with our step zeros is when you really understand that perhaps the design of the spiritual universe is, in fact, that we're going to learn the lesson. Uh, Some would say, you may not learn it in this lifetime, you may have to learn it in the next, but you're going to learn the lesson. And that's kind of the message from Groundhog Day. Something happened to me some years ago, and it began with seeing that movie. There's actually a moment when Bill Murray tries to toss himself off the top of a building and kill himself, and he does, but then he wakes up, same old day, all over again. And I remember seeing that and thinking at that moment, there's actually something really, really true about what's going on here. It is valid. And that, along with some past life regression work that I did, if you all don't believe in that or don't know it about, it's where a qualified um, regression therapist takes you back across the moment of birth uh and allows you to explore what happened before the birth of this life. And some people think it's completely <laughs> completely wacky. Uh I I don't know what it is exactly. Um Carl Jung would say it's the collective unconscious. Uh, early Christians would have said it really is reincarnation, that we have past lives. Uh, now, I don't know. But I know that whatever happened in that process, I began to see that, in fact, I was going to have to learn that's the design of life. And that has completely transformed my step zeros. What's happened is, once I really internalized that I was going to learn the lesson, whether I liked it or not, and uh, that I could lengthen my bottom, I could suffer more. Something clicked. It was a it was a, it was a metanoia, a seeing true moment of its own kind, where I suddenly became remarkably willing to learn the lessons. I just stopped resisting. Uh, it was almost like a step zero within a step zero, that that I just got it. That that I'm going to have to learn this stuff. So why not why not stop resisting? In fact, when I look back on my experience with Step Zero, what I realize is that initially, years ago, 28 years ago, I was totally resistant. And then I got forced to be willing to experience some Step Zeros. And then I started to see that it actually made some kind of sense, so I became a little more willing to get to Step zeros. And then as I began to see more and more benefits, I became more and more willing leading up to that Groundhog Day moment of mine where I said, okay, I'm in. I'm willing to learn anyway, anyhow. There's a reference in Step 6 in the 12 and 12 of AA uh, where it talks about this on that first page where it begins to drill down and talk about how we get to the point where we're willing to reach for humility for the sake of humility I think that's the place where step zeroes become remarkably easier. So I want to flush out a little bit of mischief regarding choice. We spend a lot of time hearing people say, I'm choosing not to drink. I'm choosing not to drug. I'm deciding, choosing, opting, etc." cetera. Um, this is especially where we begin to see that cultural belief again. You've made your bed, now lie in it. Um, we really think that people are choosing Uh, And I think at the root of that, it gives us somebody to blame. My sponsor says, happiness is knowing who to blame. (laughs) And so oftentimes it works doing that with, you know, blaming you or blaming me, either one. At least I know the cause. And the ego is made very, very comfortable. Uh, But I'm not sure that we can honestly say that we are choosing these things. In fact, I'd argue that there's no access to power, which is, again, going to get us into steps one and onward. And and the result of having no access to that power is we don't have access to choice. Uh, One of of the funny things, I've not brought this up in a meeting. I I, have to honestly say I'm tempted at times. Uh, When someone says I'm choosing not to drink today, what I want to say is, so that means you have the power of choice today. That would seem to be at odds with the idea of powerlessness. And that's something that requires wrestling with Uh, The evidence would seem to suggest that we're not choosing, because that would mean that you wake up on the morning that you're facing whatever awful thing you're facing, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, gambling, food, whatever the deal is, that would suggest that you are deliberately choosing to act that out, um, and that somehow or another you're going to find a way to deliberately choose to not act that out. Um, That does not seem to hold up when we look at evidence. Now, one thing I do know is that this idea of choosing, this idea that we're doing it to ourselves, does have a huge payoff from an ego point of view. It's called guilt and shame. Uh, <laughs> and I'm honestly at a place with this whole deal where I don't think guilt and shame have any merit or value whatsoever. Um, I know that the culture would argue that they're what keep us in line Uh, I think with enough of this work, as we get our step zeros easier and able to get some relief through the other steps, that we don't need guilt or shame, either one, because we do these things because we know there are things that would be good for us to do. We feel better. Now, what begins to be evident um, with this whole step zero, there's a great line in the big book. Uh, They use the word being convinced, the phrase being convinced three times uh, in how it works. And, and, and basically, the, the framework within which they use it is, over and over again, being convinced Then we were ready for something. Well, I would propose that that is way back to a step zero problem. Uh, when we're sufficiently convinced, all of a sudden it becomes possible to go to a step one, but it does take convincing. I was actually doing some work with someone my sponsor. Her name is Amy, and uh, we were talking one day. And and I said, so, so, like, why are you home on a Friday night doing inventory work? And she got kind of quiet, and then she laughed. And she said, I'm doing inventory work because I'm convinced that I have no better choice. Um, now, whether it was a choice or not, what, uh, what was impressive was she was home doing this, and I would say that she had long before that had a step zero. So let's talk for a moment about how this applies to alcoholism or addiction. Um, a friend of mine says we are sufficiently tenderized. Uh, that we uh, we become teachable. We hit a bottom. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, sometimes we hear someone say, "I just got done." That's all pointing at step zero. And so, some of you are wondering, so like, what can we do in those places we're stuck? Because this applies way beyond alcoholism or drug addiction or the obvious addictions into all the behavioral challenges we have. Um, if you're really feeling bold you can ask others who might be being affected by the problem you're facing uh, to share with you how it's affecting them. That will be painful, but it may just crack you and your ego open. With most addictions or life challenges, there's lots of resources online or in libraries. Uh, you can start reading. You can do a bunch of assessments to see how things are affecting you. Some, The story we hear in AA all the time is, is uh, people people who say they you know they took that alcoholism test and got 20 out of 20 or 10 out of 10 or whatever the number is they're using um, that information can help crack the ego open and get us to a step zero. Um, you can also do anything you can to write about consequences, the effect you're having on others, the pros and cons of things. And this is all just geared to get information in. You can go to a therapist, a spiritual advisor, some trusted friend, anyone who can help get information in. Uh, There's always the prayer help, which seems to be particularly effective. I'm fond of an affirmative prayer. Thank you for allowing me to see what I need to see, learn what I need to learn, and feel what I need to feel. That seems to place me in a position of willingness. Of course, you can always ask the question, so what if I'm in denial and just can't see something? (laughs) Well, you know, we can't see what we can't see. I mean, that's just the truth. That's... All we can do is keep creeping up on it by trying to get information in. And that brings us to the notion of permeable and impermeable boundaries, Um, you know, that we're basically trying to find a way so that things can be opened up and information can get in because that information could just plain save our lives. Anything we can do to make that possible. My sponsor says quite often that you can trust the addiction, whatever kind of addiction it is, that it will eventually get you to step zero. Or it may kill you. Well, I guess that's a step zero of its kind. It just doesn't turn out well. And so you can kind of trust the addiction, trust the process, uh, and and it's going to give you a chance um, <laughs> to get to the bottom of things. So this step zero thing is really in some ways an awareness exercise or perhaps willingness, if you like. um, Willingness to engage the challenge because we're finally seeing clearly um, some of us will have to be crushed in all kinds of ways because that's what it's going to take. Uh, as pessimistic as that may sound, I like to think of it in a very optimistic light. And that's really pretty simple now for me is that when you understand the design of life, that it is going to try and get us to grow uh, and to expand ourselves Um, By the hook or crook, it's going to try and corner us. The things that aren't working will eventually give us the chance to get to a step zero. But I'm reminded of the line from a a friend in Albuquerque, New Mexico, who's in recovery, who told me one day, he said, Ron, let's be honest. I'm only as honest as my dishonesty will allow. I'm only as open-minded as my closed mind will permit. And I can only be as willing as my unwillingness will allow me, and I think that's really honest about facing what it is that we're just gonna have to work with this stuff and see if we can't find a way to sneak up on this step zero so that we can get to step one because we know from all most of us have been taught about the steps that if we can get to step one, this admission of powerlessness that I'm actually gonna talk quite a bit about in the next session, that provides access to a solution, but until we're done, until we've just had enough, we're just not going to be able to get to step one. The miracle sometimes in my mind is that any of us ever get to it. Um, I think of the the depths of my denial when I came into recovery. It was very, very easy for me to see the disease and its various forms in my family. Um, I, <laughs> I could not see it in me. I was just simply unable to know that I had the problem, and I, I will share that, that what got me into this whole process 28-plus years ago um, was, a, was a crushing experience where my wife left me. I was in the middle of living a, a, a rather, what I thought was exceptional American life, you know, the education, all the things were looking good, and in that scenario, one's wife does not roll over in bed after making love and say, I'm leaving, I don't love you anymore. Uh, It got my attention. It crushed me. Uh, The result is that I went looking for help, uh, and I was willing enough at that moment to go looking for help, but it took eight solid months of looking for help through therapy and going to various 12-step meetings for me to finally reach a place where the thing cracked open and I got to step zero, which made it possible to get to step one. So I'm very empathetic about how long these things can take, and I think we all owe it to everyone to treat it with a great deal of compassion, if you like the Buddhist notion, Uh, because all of us really are trying to get this deal working better.